So we are starting a new series. This is going to be our Advent series. And, I, and I'm always mindful of the fact that, you know, we, we use phrases and we use words. And we don't always think about somebody who may not know what Advent means or that what Advent is about. And so just think of it, Advent is the season that leads up to Christmas. And so we are going to spend the next few weeks talking about trying to prepare our hearts for Christmas. Uh, and so my hope is that we can focus in on uh, who Jesus is and um, the power of the virgin birth uh, for us uh, as individuals, but also uh, as a community of faith. Uh, we finished up last week with our series on the minor prophets, and, and I shared with you that in Malachi, one of Malachi's burdens is that he saw a community where nothing had changed. And I challenged you to realize that the people the sins that led them to exile, they should, have had, they should have had a firm resolve to not go back to that as a way to challenge us in the midst of this pandemic to stop and, and, and have the same firm resolve that we are, we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, maybe in a fresh, new, and unexpected way. I shared with the praise team this morning as we prayed together of, you know, don't don't just approach Advent to get the same thing out of Advent that you always get out of Advent. Allow the Holy Spirit to move. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. And so that's why we're going to spend a few weeks uh, looking at an unexpected Christmas, an unexpected Advent. If you've got your Bibles, uh, always encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. We're going we're gonna to look at a passage real quick in Matthew chapter 2. Um, and it is a passage that many of you have probably heard before, maybe, uh, in uh, your times in church. Uh, it's the story of the wise men coming to Herod. And we're going to look at just one verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. They asked, the wise men, they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. In other words, we're here. We're here to worship him. We're here to praise him. We're here to give him glory. What I love about this is the wise men do not approach to get anything from God. They come to worship him. And so I just challenge you as we start this Advent season, why are you here? Why are you in this sanctuary? Why are you joining online? Are we attempting to get something from God, or are we offering our worship to God? Unfortunately, we live in a culture where we have in some ways reduced Christianity or tried to reduce Christianity to a formula. That if we do a devotion, if we, if we say a right prayer, if we come to church 50 out of 52 weeks of the year, if we join online now, if we, if we do these actions, then somehow God is going to be pleased with us and God is going to give us what we want, right? That somehow we can get God to do what we want God to do and we treat God as a vending machine. We put something in, whether that's a prayer or a devotion, and then we take out what it is that we want. And so God exists to make your life better. That is not why God exists. 
I hope you understand that. And that may disappoint some of you today, but God does not exist to make your life better. You exist to worship God. You were created to give God praise. You were created to give him glory. You were created to magnify him. You were created to reflect him. You were created to worship. And I think we think about how can we change? What can we do different? I would say to you as a church, this is one area that we can allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. Because worship is not what you simply do at Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. now. Or what we did 8.30 and 11 o'clock. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you are a worshiper. You were created to be a worshiper. And so that's one of the areas I think that we need to stop and recognize. That we are created to worship. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at worship. Think about that. How do we approach God in a way to give him the glory and the honor? Now, today what we're going to look at is lifting our hands. And some of you are already uncomfortable, uh, right? Uh, this sometimes, if you go into a church and everybody's got their hands in the air, you're like, okay, I'm not so sure about this. I didn't grow up in a tradition where anybody raises their hands. But what all I want us to do, I just want you to open your mind a little bit today. I just want us to look at biblically, what does it say to us about lifting our hands? What does scripture teach us? How can we apply that? So don't be afraid of it. And so today, once you've got your Bibles, flip back into the Old Testament. I want us to start in Psalm 63. Psalm 63, and we're going to look at the first four verses. And this is David writing this at a very low point in his life. In Psalm 63, starting in verse 1, says this. God, my God, it's you I search for. I search for you. My whole being thirsts for you. My body desires you in a dry and tired land, no water anywhere. Yes, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen your power and glory. My lips praise you because your faithful love is better than life itself. So I will bless you as long as I'm alive. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, I want you to think about this. In verse 1, David is crying out to God, a reflection of what a lot of people in this moment in history are feeling. God, I seek after you. I need you. I earnestly am searching and longing for you where there's no water in the land, where it's dry and parched. And how many of us, that is our current situation where we find ourselves. I mean, who would have ever thought this pandemic would last this long? We find ourselves still uncertain and scared, some desolate, lonely. None of us thought that 2020 was going to end the way that it is ending versus the way that it started. Holidays are supposed to be happy, and yet for many of us, it's probably one of the most unhappy times in our lifetimes. Holidays. It's interesting how they, they take what's already there and magnify it, right? So if things are good, holidays, 
really, really good. But if things are bad, holidays are really, really bad. Magnifies everything out. This is David is crying out, I need you, God. I need you more than anything else. From the very depths of who I am, I need you. And in verse 2, he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your glory and your power because your love is better than life. Think about that. Your love is better than life itself. It's eternal. It's everlasting. It never fails. We certainly have seen this year that life on this earth fades away, right? We've had so much loss as a church. We did our All Saints Day and the windows were filled with candles. Life just fades away, but God is eternal. And so your love is better than life itself. And therefore, David says, my lips will glorify you because your love is that good. I've got to tell people, I've got to proclaim your love is what he's saying. I have to praise your name. Do you feel that way today? And he says, I will praise you as long as I live. Now remember, he's not in a good place. See, that makes perfect sense to us. I will praise your name when the doctor tells me that my medical diagnosis is good. I will praise your name when my situation resolves itself. That's not where David's at. David is at the bad part of the situation. He says, I will still praise your name and I will lift my hands in your name. Folks, this, as uncomfortable as it may make you, is worship. This is praising God's name despite the circumstances. It's an act of worship. I grew up, and I've said this many times, I grew up in a, in a church that I came to understand. My parents and I were talking about that just the other day. I came to understand God is punitive. So God was waiting for me to make a mistake, and then bam. And that was just how I understood how God worked. And, and then I came to read in Ephesians, where it says that you are saved by grace, that it's, this was revelation for me. It was no longer about what I did. It was through God's grace. And see, I had spent my life thinking that it had to do with me being good or me being religious or me doing the right things. And I knew that I wasn't good. I knew that I wasn't very religious and I knew that I was not doing things that pleased God. And then I read, you know what? God can still forgive me. And I remember this time in my life where I was kneeling and as I was kneeling, my hands just did that. It was, the best way I could describe it for you, it was a supernatural moment in my life where I came to realize and appreciate the grace of God. We are so fearful of this. What's my neighbor going to think? Everybody's going to think I'm crazy. I've never done this before in my life. But this is an it's an act of worship, of thanks to God. We can see it in Scripture. 
I encourage you to, to think about what's the purpose of raising our hands. You can go and look at other places in Scripture. Paul teaches Timothy as Timothy is kind of his, his mentor, his mentee. Paul is the mentor, and he teaches them um, how to, to live out practically Christian worship. And in 1 Timothy, let me read this to you. He says, therefore, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Therefore, I want men to pray everywhere by lifting up hands that are holy, without anger or argument. In practical parts of worship, I want men, Paul's teaching Timothy how to, to do what we're doing in this moment. I want, I want men everywhere to lift their hands. And I think, why? why? Why is Paul teaching Timothy that? Why is that important? If we believe God, the Holy Spirit is inspired scripture, why, why is it important for us to hear that? Now, I can't, I can't prove this. This is me. I can't say to you this is what I, exactly what it is but i believe that our heavenly father loves it when he sees his children raise their hands absolutely loves it and how do i think that or why do i think that i have two kids latham and lydia um now i'll tell y'all a little something about me I, I, don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't like to hold your babies. Um, and, and here's why. Because you do not like it when I drop your baby. And so babies, even the other day we saw, babies, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a little hesitant. Toddlers, believe it or not, man, I just love that inquisitive time in their life. It may drive you crazy as a parent, but I love that point. But I can remember both of my children getting to that pace where, you know, they do the Frankenstein walk, right? Where they're kind of like doing this. Yeah, and they walk and they're beginning to say dada or mama. Man, that just melts my heart when I think about my two kids reaching up to me and me being able to swoop them up. And if I love that, how much more does my heavenly father love that moment? When he sees his kids just reaching out for him. When our hands move towards God, I believe that God's heart moves towards us. If y'all remember, if you've been with us through the Minor Prophets, do y'all remember a couple of the Minor Prophets said that you return to me and I will return to you? Do y'all remember that? James chapter 4 says it this way, draw near to God and he will draw near to us, right? Draw near to God and he will draw near to us. And so I think it's like the best that we can do in a sense is to reach out to God. But I can trust in the fact that scripture teaches me that when I reach towards God, he reaches back towards me. It's an offering Psalm 141 says it this way. And again, this is David at a very low, low point in his life. I cry out to you, Lord. Come to me quickly. Listen to my voice when I cry out to you. You can hear the desperation in his voice. Let my prayer stand before you like incense. Let my uplifted hands be like the evening offering. It's a way for us to offer ourselves to God. 
it may feel weird. It may feel awkward. You may sit here and in your head you're thinking, I have never done that before and I am not about to start right now. I, I, I just, I know, I mean, I've, I've, been in, I've been in your shoes. It may push you to get out of your comfort zone. But if I remember somebody's talking about the fact that we refuse to go back to normal, right? We want to do something different. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to move in us in a fresh new way. And so we can see in Scripture the importance of this. And let me share with you one more. It is our way of declaring battle. It is our way of declaring battle and that we need God's help. See, you might be in a situation right now where you are going through a very dark, difficult time. I might suggest to you, Lift your hands to God. Declare your battle right now. That God is a God who is holy and powerful and sovereign. And that we need him. We need him over this right now. And there's a great biblical story. Exodus chapter 17. In the Old Testament. The Amalekites are attacking the Israelites. And Moses says to Joshua, okay, Joshua, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to battle. They have pushed us. We're going to push back. And so I'm going to go up over on the mountain and I'm going to begin to pray. And you're going to go into battle. And here's what scripture says. Listen to verses 10 and 11 of Exodus chapter 17. So Joshua did as Moses told him. He fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand... Israel would start winning the battle. Whenever Moses lowered his hand, Amalek would start winning. I want y'all to think about what's happening. He's literally standing over the battlefield and his hands go up, his hands go down, his hands go up, his hands go down. But as his hands go up and he, and he declares a sovereign God, they win. When his hands go down and he's not declaring the sovereign God, they begin to lose. It's the reality right now is some of you are in a battle and you need to declare God as being victorious. Amen. It's our way, it's our way of worship, it's our way of praising God that we declare by faith that God will be victorious, that God will work, God will move, God will heal, God will open doors, whatever it may be. You make that declaration. And, and, and I find this so interesting because this is why scripture to me is so amazing. What does it tell us? If you know the story, what does it tell us after a while? What happens to Moses? He gets tired. You know, I sit here and think about, I have a bad rotator cuff and I can't do this very long. Uh, and so I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Moses is human. Moses' arms get tired, right? The scripture says that Aaron and her are with him. And so when he begins to get tired, what do they do? They help him. They hold his arms up. And I think that's great because that's what we are called to do as the body of Christ, right? I mean, we're called to pray for each other because I can be Aaron and her. You know, I can come alongside you and I can help lift you up and I can help encourage you and help strengthen you. And you, we don't worship God by ourselves. We worship God as a body of Christ, as a community of faith. That's why I love the church. Because we have the ability to come alongside and help 
each other. I've had two men in my life, probably for the last 20 years, that have been my Aaron and my her. They have prayed with me. When I felt discouraged, they have texted me and called me, come alongside and encouraged me. When I questioned my call, they reminded me of what God has called me to. We have the opportunity, look around the room. We don't just come to church to see people. We don't just come to church and then leave. We have the ability to be a community of faith where we are Aaron and her for each other so that we can make a declaration together that God will be victorious in all circumstances and situations. So if you're in your battle right now and you need God, who is your Aaron? Who is your her? And I might even challenge you to think, who are you being Aaron to? Who are you being her for? One of the ways I think about it is traditionally, the raising of arms means two things. Okay, and this is, this is not religious. I'm just saying in, in the world itself, the raising of arms means two things. One is victory, right? Yesterday, Georgia Bulldogs, our hands were in there, right? <laughs> lots. We scored lots. It was really good. Uh, and so our hands were there every time they scored a touchdown. Hands are up. It's victorious. But that's not all. Hands in the air. Also means surrender, Right? Somebody points a weapon, my hand's in the air. With God in this moment, right now, it means both simultaneously. When I surrender, I am victorious through God. And what I want to invite you to do, and for you at home, you're not off the hook. You're sitting on the sofa with your spouse or you're there by yourself, whatever, when we sing this next song. I invite you to worship, to give God an offering, to declare battle as we come together and we praise God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you praise and we give you glory in this moment because you are God. You love us. You forgive us. Show us new grace. I pray, God, in this moment that we can, even if it feels a little fake or if it feels a little forced, Give us the freedom and the boldness to be like David. Just lift our hands in your name. I pray, Almighty God, in this moment for this sanctuary and for those who are joining us online. May it be an unexpected moment as we lift and magnify and praise your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.